What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Kicks and Picks Podcast. Uh, we're, we're coming to you a little bit sober, a little bit somber. Uh, unfortunately, coming off of an almost unheard of, unthinkable, hard to do, 0-10 week. We lost every single pick we had. I don't even know what more to say. I mean, our cold streak has gotten even a little bit colder, but that's good news for you guys because you can just start fading our picks. Uh, we went through all season where you were tailing us. Now we can flip the script until we write the ship, but we do have a plan in place to correct that. We have bangers for you this week and a very special guest, our friend Andy over at happy hour sports. He is coming on to help us write the ship and to break down all things Liverpool. So Andy, thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it guys. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I know Nick and I have gone back and forth a bunch on Twitter and then connected me up with uh, Coach and Scotty, so appreciate that. And uh, I'm super excited to be on here, especially after a huge, phenomenal 7-0 thumping of Man United. Yeah, a 7-0 thumping of Man United certainly helps an 0-3 pick weekend for yours truly. Uh, Nick, you also had a, a big win for, for Lazio over Napoli, although you're not allowed to celebrate that. And Coach, not too bad yourself either. So I think... All things considered, weekend could have been worse for the squad, but we will try to write the ship in terms of picks because at the end of the day, we need to cash those picks in order to make everybody listening to this podcast some money. That's facts. Coach, here's give we'll give you your your two minutes of fame. Brag about Roma. I mean, Mourinho came out with an unexpected formation, played no striker, <clears throat> packed the midfield. Um, it worked. It, it took a you know a really unexpected goal from John Luca Mancini. So tip, tip your cap to him, but uh, Roma held out and they got the three points. It was big, especially after losing to previously winless Cremonese. So similar to your Lazio who fell today or yesterday to AZ Alkmaar in the, the conference league. And you're disappointed about that. It was the reverse for Roma. So our squads can find ways to be good teams apparently, and not against <laughs> mediocre teams, but Hey, I'll take the, I'll take the three points and move back into the top four. Coach, just one thing a lot of people are talking about. Let's talk about the special treatment that your boy Mourinho is getting uh, from from the FA here, or that he's allowed to like appeal his red card suspension. Um, just a few things well, to note. Number first and foremost, Scotty and I cashed the over on red cards for this year, um, which I mean very spare. easily. Well, what happens if get rescinded? Thing two, Mourinho actually leads Serie A in red cards. He has more than any player. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's surprising. That's not surprising. So how, but, how come he um, got to be of, on the sideline? In, in terms of being back on the sideline, they suspended the two officials who were on the sideline with him. So apparently they did something to, I guess, precipitate his reaction. And and it's under review. So we'll see. Will he eventually be suspended? Very possible. But uh, he appealed. When players appeal suspensions, they don't sit out until their appeal is heard. So same same scenario, I guess. Interesting. I'm not really concerned because even if it does get rescinded, there's plenty of opportunity for the next, I don't know, 10, 11 weeks. Oh, we no, still got that count, Listen, red card in the books. That counts. We're, we're cashing that over. Yeah. Um, so quickly, before we, we get into um, Andy and some Liverpool talk, uh, do you want to just go over the results in the Champions League? Um, I think we saw some, for my standards, some pretty mediocre games. Uh, I'll start with Milan and Tottenham. That was a 0-0 barn burner. Uh, Milan goes through one nil on aggregate. Um, a lot of people are saying, not just me, but people were saying, you know, we, we talk about Harry Kane and the fact that he has no trophies and he's been, you know, however many games with Tottenham. 
Should he be more concerned that he had no goals over two legs against a Milan side that has given up like five to Lazio and five to Sassuolo? Uh, what's going on with Harry Kane here? Uh, I don't blame Harry Kane. But we've we've talked about it in recent weeks on the podcast. Milan's defense in February is a completely different animal. You know, after that five-two loss to Sassuolo at the end of January, they've really locked it down, uh, and I think they've only allowed like two league goals in February. So it, whatever they've done, they pulled the right you know strings and, and kind of righted the ship in that sense. Um, Tottenham still should be concerned because their their whole team was built around the you know predication that this attack that they were building with Son and Kane and Richarlison and Kulusevski was going to kind of lead them to you know trophies this season and beyond, and that couldn't be further from the truth right now. So I think that's really where the questions are right now. Obviously, we are all of the assumption that Conte has gone at the end of this season, so it's really going to be a, a question for whoever they bring in next to to, to follow him. Agree. Andy, I want your thoughts on that. Conte, any shot he sticks around or is he absolutely gone? No, I think he's totally gone. In fact, like I'm surprised that it's taken this long. Um, not that he needed to be like a couple months ago, but over the last few weeks, it has been a tough stretch for them. Um, just getting bounced from every competition they were left in. And I think too, like, I don't think he's going to be the only one that goes. Um, I know that Harry Kane said farewell recently at the end of one season and then came back. So I could see that happening again, uh, but the not coming back part. And I was going to ask you guys, if, if he were to leave, where would you see him going? Because I don't think that he would leave the Premier League necessarily because he's going to try to go after that all-time Premier League goal scorer uh, record, in my opinion, unless you guys have a have another opinion. Uh, I could see him. Well, I'm curious to see what Pochettino does because he's still a free agent. There's managerial openings. Wherever he lands, that could be enticing. I could see Newcastle going for him because Newcastle are – had a taste of potential Champions League qualification this season. It seems to be going awry for them at the worst possible yeah. time. Um, Callum Wilson was kind of supposed to be that guy. He's had some injuries this year, but throwing a guy like Harry Kane at the top and you surround him with, you know, Almiron and St. Maximin and Joe Ellington. And now you have a little bit more of a punchy attack yeah. that could maybe carry them into the Champions League next season. So I think that's an opportunity as well. What about United. I mean, I was thinking that can't be the long-term guy, right? I mean, he he hasn't done anything since he's come around. He's not like a high-profile. But Kane striker. isn't a long-term guy, you know. Long yeah, that, that's like United's term. mo, man. They're they're just looking to slot somebody in for yeah, like for right now, three good like. years out of him. I think Ten Hag has a plan. I think I, I hate to say it, but I think he actually has a plan that's gonna, you know, if, if there's patience with him, that it'll probably pay off. But yeah, I, I don't see them going for a Kane who has maybe two good seasons left in him if that because uh, then you're just gonna be in another situation with ronaldo a ronaldo like situation where you have this guy that you're paying a lot of money to start up top and he's not effective i'm sure kane will be a little bit more professional though i think kane might last longer than that though with his goal scoring where like he could come in for like three or four years with them because i mean you look at him and he looks old but he is only 29 i mean he'll turn 30 this summer but i always thought that he's like way older than he actually is <laughs> For sure, and the man is like closer in age to me than to uh, to, to most of the coaches. So I, I thought he would be closer in age to some of the younger coaches coming up. <laughs> no, I think that's fair, and I, I mean, he doesn't uh, doesn't strike me as a guy that needs to get that like mega paycheck with his next, um, you know, with his next team. I think he's probably willing to sacrifice that for, like you said, his being able to fit in the right spot, get some goals, and hopefully get some sort of title yeah i mean i definitely think he's gonna want trophies but you know don't get it twisted it's not like 
Tottenham are, are out here breaking the bank, paying him all that he wants you know, right. for the last, whatever, eight years. Eight years. So Fair if enough. he wants to cash in, I think he's earned that. Fair what enough. about Chelsea? Chelsea doesn't have, like, they're starting to have average at top, right? I mean, and, and yeah. they're willing to spend. It would be really tough to see him go to a different club in London. It's a, it's a London team, so that, that yeah. puts a little wrinkle in it. But if he wasn't at, at, at a London club, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Well, it would fit right in with their portfolio of eight attackers that they already have since they brought in uh, five between the summer and, and the winter, uh, two in the summer, three in the winter. So, yeah, it, he'd fit right into that portfolio, and then they just let two of them go. I like it. Uh, it's going to be interesting as hell to see that's for sure um and then the other game that took place today Bayern Munich two nothing winners over PSG three nothing on aggregate my thoughts on it honestly are PSG just did not look competitive over two legs they didn't look like they belonged. they never ever ever looked like they could potentially win this matchup um I know Neymar got hurt in between legs to me that's a a huge loss for PSG but I don't Honestly, the way they played today, I don't know that they even had a shot if he was in the lineup. No, I mean, the, the first half in Paris was terrible. You know, that was probably arguably like the worst first half of Champions League football that I've seen in, you know, years. Uh, they did have a good 20-minute spell when when Mbappe was subbed on in that first match. Um, but aside from that, they really weren't competitive. Bayern really took the life out of the game. And it never seems that Bayern were any threat of, of not qualifying or advancing in this one. I, I mean, there was that moment where Delict, I think, cleared a, a shot off the yeah. line that could have made things a little interesting. But aside from that, there was just not much going forward for PSG. Is it the end of Messi? <laughs> no, at PSG. Messi. at PSG. Sorry. At <laughs> PSG. Well, what's, what's his deal with? He's going to Miami. When's that kicking in? Isn't that I soon? was supposed to kick in this summer, but then he renewed with PSG and I don't know. I saw something where he's potentially going back to Barcelona now. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't fully buy that either. I don't think that he is going to go back there. But I feel like they would take him back. It's just they're going to continue to uh, kick that debt that they have down the road, I guess. It'll be fascinating to see if PSG, because you know their the ownership group there are potentially selling to get out of that and buy a team in the Premier League. If they sell PSG and then you see Mbappe leave and you see uh, Messi leave and then Neymar, who knows, you know, he's – made of glass anyway so even if he does stay he's not around for a whole lot curious to see what happens to them as a club you know where do they drop to yeah. does does league one become a competitive league all of a sudden where now you can actually see other squads competing for the title yeah because i i can't see like a mega money owner coming in if if they leave right i mean they weren't really anything before the this ownership group came in they they weren't a perennial title threat it was you know it was leon marseille those teams i remember when i first started following um you know just soccer in general and watching champions league those are the french teams that were in the champions league all the time uh monaco so i i don't know it, how much i wonder what their valuation would be on the open market like the premier league has so much appeal because there's so much money in that league and tv revenues and everything and and i don't think league league one has that appeal to somebody who's got a lot of money you're going to try to hold out for maybe a, a little bit smaller um you know premier league team that you could build up like they're doing Newcastle now and teams like that. You better all spend the money there. Yeah. It's, I don't think that they would go for billions of dollars. And, and I think when you look at the assets that they'd be losing in terms of the players, it becomes even less appealing uh, because it's, it's not like you can come in and take over a squad and then just continue to ride that squad to trophies or whatever. They're going to have to go and invest in players, especially because you're not going to be getting huge money transfers for uh, Messi at this stage in his career. So yeah. it'll be tough. Yeah. Interesting to see. So, 
Let's get right into it, guys. Uh, Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before we get into your squad, a couple things I want to ask you, man. First, how'd you get into the sport? How'd you get into this crazy thing that we do here and, and <laughs> picking games and trying to get some winners and betting? Just take us through your history real quick. Yeah, so um, I went to the University of South Carolina for school, and while I was there, uh, a lot of my friends were really big into soccer. Um, I played, like, up until middle school, and then I stopped in high school. Um, I was not very good, not super athletic. My friends would be the first to tell you. But uh, my friends in college were really big into it, where they were like, you just need to, like, pick a team and go for it. Um, And I had a really good friend of mine outside of that friend group that was a Liverpool fan. And was talking to him about it, and he basically ran ran me through most of the teams um, in the big six. And then we didn't really talk about Liverpool too much, which I thought was just him not trying to bias me. But then um, just watching one game with him and, and like, going through that whole experience uh, really put me, like, in love with the sport and in love with Liverpool as a whole. Um, where, I mean, for me, it was football, basketball, and there was really just those two. Um, and then now it's really, like, soccer – MMA and basketball are my main three that I absolutely love and adore. I still love football, but um, yeah, Liverpool was just due to just due to him, and I've followed it ever since. Where never miss a game for anything, even if, no matter no matter what's going on. I know Andy's putting out some some good stuff with Happy Hour Sports. I just want you to quickly talk about what you're doing over there. Uh, we've been riding with some of your Champions League picks over the past few weeks, so you know, just want to run us through what you guys are about and where we can find those winners. Yeah, yeah. So no, I appreciate it. Um, so we started in May of 2022. So we're not even a year old yet, but then really started putting out consistent content um, in June, July of 23. So baseball season was starting to hit its peak. And then uh, it was NBA playoffs time. So myself and Rick were the two that went back and forth putting out content for the website. Um, but before that, I had like an account and it was called Andy soccer locks. And that was like how I got my Twitter start. The one that, you know, now um, where during COVID uh, during the MLS's back tournament and beyond, I was just tweeting out MLS plays and engaging with MLS accounts on Twitter and actually had one of the best um, betting runs of my life where I wrote it down here. I went back and pulled up the spreadsheet because I remember this uh, 64, 38 and 18 yeah. during that run in the MLS where I was like, I was telling my friends, I was like, you guys need to be betting on these MLS games. And they're like, why the hell would we be betting on the MLS? How many of those winners were overs? Because we have long said on this podcast that MLS overs are the play. You could almost throw darts at the board and take an over. (laughs) So a lot of them were actually unders. And the reason was because they had just gotten back from the COVID break. So nobody knew what the hell was going on. A lot of these guys had been locked up. They weren't working out as consistent. Um, but that was when my record started to tail off was when the overs started to cash because I had been taking so many unders. Um, and that's also why I had so many pushes. I mean, 18 pushes and 100 some bets is a lot because I had a lot more appetite for the juice uh, sitting cooped up in my apartment during lockdown than I do now. <laughs> Love to hear it. Uh, but Rick, Rick and I essentially like we knew we were both good writers and that we really had like a passion for sports betting, the landscape as a whole. Um, we loved like the, we had several people that we loved their content they were putting out. We were like, we can try this. We can do this. So we started putting out articles um, fairly consistently. And the premise behind happy hour sports originally was we called it happy hour um, because we wanted people to basically come home, be able to crack open a beer after work and read the articles and the research was done for them. So they knew exactly what was happening after work. 
um, and all the research was complete. So all they had to do was bet on the games and watch the games. But quickly, uh, we came to find out that that's not like exactly going to cut it, where being like a generic sports betting website, everyone and their mother has that, where they have an opinion on the football game, the basketball game, et cetera. So we were like, how can we be more niche? Um, we brought on our friend DJ. So he's DJ AJ Sports on Twitter. And he's a good friend of ours from South Carolina, where he started the Sharpen the Public podcast for us. And that was huge, where he has this spreadsheet and he's an engineer. So he's really able to get into the weeds of it. And is very, very, um, he gets down and dirty with the spreadsheet. I'll just say that. And what it tracks is for football and then now basketball and baseball. Um, he, we look at the percentages of public money, sharp money, and then, or excuse me, public money, like, and then where the money percentage is at and then where sharp percentages are at. And for the NFL, it worked out very well for us where he was able to derive trends based on where, um, dif- like where different data ranges sat. And all you had to do was go on Action Network and see like where the percentage of the bets and the money were on the game. And you knew, okay, that range, like five minutes before kickoff has gone X record. So we're, we're taking our bets pretty close to kickoff, but it ended up being very uh, lucrative for everyone involved, which is great. And he, he got a pretty large following on Reddit as a result. Uh, some of the other niche stuff we do is UFC cards every weekend. So we're myself and Rick split it up. We're diving into every single one, uh, breaking down every single fight and trying to give a play. And then soccer has been a big niche for us too, as you guys know. I mean, it is a cult following. It is a religion to some. Actually, I would say religion to most who follow it. Yeah. Um, and then that's been that's been huge for us as well. But you can get football content and, and basketball content from us too. We'll have daily MLB articles once that starts up. Uh, we got a little bit of everything, which has been nice, as well as hitting some of the special niche spots, which is, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and we're finally seeing it start to actually become a business for us when we just partnered up with Underdog Fantasy a couple of weeks ago. So really like what they're doing. It's a fun fantasy platform. I am a sucker for fantasy sports um, and actually just won $1,000 on a draft last night. Yeah, you did. So yes, I am fired up. <laughs> That's it. So you guys heard it. For all the content and other sports that you don't get from us, Go check out Andy and Happy Hour Sports. They're they're killing the game. Um, but still stick with us for all your soccer betting. You don't need to go to them for that. We're, <laughs> got that covered here. Hey, I, I, I've been riding with you guys, too. I, I missed last week's. Thank uh, God. Out of town. God. I know. <laughs> Best I know. week to miss. When Nick told me that, I was like, holy shit. The one that I missed. <laughs> you guys know how hard it is to go 0-10? Like, it's almost it's impossible. just as it hard to go 10-0. Yeah. yeah. It takes talent. <laughs> Yeah, so, you figure some dumb luck somewhere, we would have hit one, right? I mean, geez. So, Scotty's a big Liverpool guy. We brought Andy on this week, too. Coincidentally, right after Liverpool hit big. So, not uh, we're going to, well, <laughs> we've been planning to have him on. It finally worked out this week, and it just so happens it's after this big Liverpool win. So, he can gloat a bit. Scotty can gloat a bit. Nick and I are going to kind of take a back seat. We'll throw some questions at the guys, but we're going to let them take the lead because they're the Liverpool experts here. So, <clears throat> They're coming off that historic uh, 7-0 win over Manchester United. Largest defeat in Man United club history. I was upset Let's because go. I'm going to say I had we had bets on United, but from someone whose team has lost to United by giving up seven goals, it was uh, it was fun to watch United concede seven goals, I will say that. And Roman did actually score one at Old Trafford that day, so <laughs> less, of a, less of a loss, I guess. But I uh, <laughs> just had to throw that in there. Uh, but, you know, that comes on the tail end of what has been so far 
as, as an overall season for Liverpool, not the greatest start. They're starting to pick it up now, sitting in fifth now in the EPL, three points behind Spurs with a game in hand. Um, are you concerned about how the season's going, or do these recent results make you feel like it's going in the right direction? There's some promise there, and, and Champions League with it is within grasp now. I'm still like fairly pessimistic just because this season has like left such a bitter taste in my mouth. But I'm hoping that our away form, which has been absolutely piss poor, can at least like get a step in the right direction this weekend against Bournemouth, especially because we beat them 9-0 the last time we played them. I mean, Bournemouth and United make up for 16 of our 19 goals in our goal differential. So shout out to both of them. I can't can't thank them enough for helping our goal differential there. But I think that the one thing is, like, I could see us getting a little cocky after a big win like that and we beat Bournemouth 9-0. I don't want things to go wrong. Um, I would say the fans more getting cocky than the players. I think I think Klopp has them locked in and they're continuing to mesh and mold together where, like, we're seeing Gakpo's finally looking good. Um, Darwin, I thought Darwin has always looked good. I'm a, uh, I've been a Darwin guy through and through. I know a lot of people on Twitter were slandering his name and now people want to hop on the Darwin bus and I'm just stiff arming them off. But I think that that's, that's just kind of my, my main thing there is like, let's keep on the straight and narrow here and, and hope that we just like get a result because I don't want to start getting cocky. And then we drop points at Bournemouth. That's the last thing we can do with a game in hand against Spurs. I think the bad news for you on that, Andy, is the Bournemouth Liverpool game, or is the early AM game for us over here on the East Coast? And whenever those games yep. come up, it's always a horrible result for me. It's always you wake up, you make a little bit of coffee, you sit down, and you watch a zero-zero dud fest, and you just regret getting up early on a Saturday morning to watch it. So that's the only reason why I have a little bit of concern about it. But I will try to turn your pessimism around with my outlook on the season because I think we always knew twenty twenty three. 2022, 2023 was probably going to be a transition season. Um, I remember when we were signing all these contracts for Firmino, for Sala, for Mane, for Henderson, for Wijnaldum. It was kind of a joke because we had that offseason where I don't think we brought anybody in. We may have brought in like one or two of the you know bench or squad depth type players, but we resigned a lot of these key guys. And the joke was like, oh, this is great. Five-year contract. Everybody's going to be out of contract in 2023, so we'll worry about it then. And it's, it's like we're here now, right? So we obviously had to pick one of the three front three to, to move on last season. And it was, it was Mane. And um, I think the plan was to always bring in a midfielder, but the guy that we wanted or the guy that Klopp wanted got picked up by Madrid. So you have to pivot uh, ended up with Nunez. Who's not a bad player. I agree with you. I think he's been probably one of the top three players for Liverpool all season long. Um, you can make a case for his best player all season long. And I just think it's just been one of those seasons where we just kind of have to weather the storm. We know the midfield is in dire need of shaking up. You know, you're either looking at, guys who are starting in midfield that are above 30 or they're under 21. Um, you don't have really any guys besides like maybe Nabby or, or Oxlade Chamberlain that are in that like prime 25 to 29 years of age. So, um, and with that, we've seen changes to how Klopp sets the team up. The, the pressing has not been there this season. That's been a huge reason for why some of their offenses struggle because we know they like to take, uh, or they like to score off of mistakes that the other team makes in their, their own third when we're pressing. Um, it also opens up the defense because now all of a sudden this high line that Liverpool love to play gets exposed with guys being able to run in behind and the midfield or the defender has plenty of time to to pick him out and, and make the right pass. So I think it's been an a, you know accumulation of things. Also, it was a 73 game season last season. Um, that's not going to help with injuries. I think they started to see that a little bit this year and even players like uh, or even 
players in Manchester United are kind of complaining about it this season where, you know, they've made deep runs in cups already. Um, they're doing pretty well in the premier league. So they've been, you know, not rotating in that and, and they're starting to see some injuries themselves. So I think this year it was always kind of expected to be a down year. I don't think it's expected to be, Oh my God, we're now in ninth and we're out of both domestic cups. And, you know, we, we, we aren't looking too great in the champions league. Um, but I think with the right moves in the summer, if we can kind of refresh that midfield a little bit and maybe bring in somebody else to kind of take some, some of the, uh, the weight off of Van Dyke's shoulders and the, in the defensive line, then we can probably be back in, in the right form going into next season. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with the tactical piece that you had there. I think too, like that's not stated enough. A lot of people on Twitter and, and in the media were saying that like the loss of Mane was the, one of the main proponents of this. And I totally disagree. I think that he's a big loss, but we switched tactically last winter, like before we went on the run um, in the spring of 22, where we went from having the false nine and then shifted to putting Mane as striker and then went forward with having the striker. But the problem is that we didn't have the midfield to supplement the attack. Like they were all like perfect in a false nine system uh, and a pressing system, like you said. So now that we and then you pair that with the tired legs too and not having the personnel, uh, it just feels like Tiago was the only guy that could really pivot and like help have some creativity in the midfield. And then barely having Diaz this season too has been a main factor because he he at least like cuts inside and has some creativity from the inside. So we're not just driving up the sides every single time. So people in the league have figured out like we're gonna go down the sides, we're gonna cross the ball 20 million times a game. So all you have to do is set the low block and you can get a zero zero result against Liverpool or get catch one on the break and beat them one nil. So once we shifted that up and we have some stuff inside with the correct midfield, I think that this will totally work. Um, more so I'm, I was more so pessimistic on this season, the outlook forward. I'm super high on us next season. If we get the right guys in and I mean, God, if, if he re-signs Milner and keeps him around, I am literally, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch because I would love for him to come on as a coach. But, oh, my God, it is, like, an embarrassment to see how proud Klopp is of this guy. And it's just, like, he doesn't know how sluggish he is. And he's not the he's not the only one. I shouldn't just peg it on Milner. But he is one where my friends and I, I mean, we joke about him all the time where it's like, oh, my God, he's getting subbed on in the 60th. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, Milner's that guy where it's, like, you re-sign him. You're like, all right, this is a great because he he's going to help the guys like Harvey Elliott and, and Fabio Carvalho kind of, you know, bet into their roles. He's a good resource for them. And honestly, I don't mind if Milner is coming in in like the 60th minute to kind of close out a game because that's what he's always been really good at. Even when he was at Man City, he always came in for them in those runs in like the 60th minute and he just would run the other teams to death and he would throw in the hard professional tackles and he would break up attacks and it was okay. But when you all of a sudden see Milner starting as either your right back or as one of your key midfielders and he's paired with, you know, Henderson and, and Elliott or I would say Biotich, but he's been really good this season that's when I get concerned. Cause it's like, you don't want to rely on him to be starting 15, 20 matches a season for you. He's a guy where it's like, let's keep him on the bench. If we're up to, Oh, things are getting a little shaky. We need to bring in some, you know, experience and we need to bring in a guy that's going to fly around the pitch and just throw in tackles left and right. Bring him in. That's I'm fine with that. Cause he, he picks up cards like no other. And I love betting on that. Cause the second I see him come in, that's the first <laughs> prop I take. Yeah. He's actually been better as a fullback this season. I feel like than he has in the midfield, which is, which is fine by me. Like we need the depth there when needed, but um, it doesn't help our midfield depth situation whatsoever when he does play fullback. Yeah. And, and he was never supposed to be right. We had Calvin Ramsey that was supposed to be that, you know, Trent Alexander, Arnold, you know, backups last, you know, debutante. And 
he's been MIA. I mean, I know he's picked up some injuries and training here and there, but I, I think there's more to that story because I haven't even really seen him on the bench, you know, at all this season. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. So building off of what you guys were talking about, I know you guys both like Nunez, but Firmino's moving on at the end of the season. Mane already moved on after last season. With the front three that Liverpool has, do you think they they found the right players to form their next front three with this this era coming to an end that uh, we saw for so long with Salah and Mane and and Firmino? I think that question is like perfect time because the Jota rumors to Newcastle came out today too, um, which I I'm not huge on. I I do, I do not want to sell him. I did I did see a 70 million price tag on that, and I was like, eh, maybe, but I could totally see FSG coming up with the excuse that that 70 mil went straight to Bellingham if we get him. So um, I do like the attacking options that we have moving forward. I was a little bit doubtful on Gakpo at first because we've seen these guys at Klopp sign come in and like explode right from the get go. Every single one, it's like, oh, they have a goal in their first game, or oh, they have like a bag of goals in their first couple of games. And he wasn't doing exactly that. Whereas like for Nunez, we saw him score in the community shield and it was like, oh, and then he takes his jersey off and it's like twirling it at the city fans. And it's like, all right, this guy fits right in. Like we need, we need that guy. Um, so now I really see it with Gakpo where it's like, okay, like he's got what, four goals in five games now, I believe in the league for us. So uh, he's a stud. Like he's, he, I didn't expect him coming in. I, that was completely unexpected. We got him in the winter. And I think when you pair him, Salah, Darwin, Diaz coming back, and then Jota, even if Jota goes, which that again, that's like just a rumor I saw today. I hope that that means that Carvalho comes back into the squad because he's gone completely AWOL on us like the last two months. I don't know if he pissed off Klopp or if he's just not training well. Uh, maybe Klopp is like has him in the basement and is just feeding him raw meat or something. I don't know, but there could be something going on there. And I, I hope that's not the case because I was really excited about him and he was a stud at, at Fulham. Um, long story short, I, I, th I think we're set at attack. It's mainly in midfield for me. That's like my, my biggest, my biggest worry and a little bit of defense. So part of my ignorance guys is Jota hurt or is he just not playing? He was hurt. He was hurt for a while. Um, came back a little too soon. I think he re-injured it. And now gotcha. he's kind of getting slowly, you know, re back into reintegrated back into the squad. And it's funny because I think there's a very important spot for him because of these guys that we're talking about of Luis Diaz, of Darwin Nunez, of Gakbo, of Sala, none of them are truly built to play through the center. They don't, they always play best out on the wings. Um, and so that was always kind of the, the discussion about, okay, well with Gakbo, you know, he's playing better out on the left side. Do you uh, shift Darwin into the center when he's been doing really well in, on that left side? Um, Luis Diaz, obviously again, plays really well on the left side. And then Salah, notorious on the right. Jota is the only guy that really truly fits that Firmino type role where you can play as like a false nine. He knows his positioning really well. He can get to the, the far post when he needs to. He can make the cuts into the near post when we see Salah cutting inside. So I think he has an important position within this Liverpool squad. If he goes, I think I would have some concerns because now it's like you're going to be shoehorning at least one guy into that role. Maybe Fabio Carvalho, who kind of played in a similar type 10 slash false nine position for Fulham in the championship two years ago. Maybe that's what he's trying to learn. Maybe that's why he's disappeared. But if, if Jota does go, that's a, to me, a huge gap and, and becomes a concern then for me. Um, but if you keep those five guys that we talked about, uh, Nunez, uh, Gakbo, Diaz, Sala, and Jota, I think they're completely set. 
I think that's going to be enough. You know, obviously Salah's going to get phased out probably over the next year or two. Uh, I think his contract extension was only an additional three years. So um, mm-hmm. I think you'll start to see him get rotated a little bit more heavily than he has in prior seasons because they're going to have to save his legs. And again, that just opens up more time for for the other guys. So I think Klopp, if, if Jota wants to stay, he'll stay. Uh, I think Klopp will have a pretty good pitch on that. I think the speculation probably just comes from the fact that all these other guys that Liverpool have brought in in the past, you know, year and three months have performed so well right off the jump. Um, but yeah, uh, focus has to be on midfield. If if you have to sell Diego to to get there, I get it. I'm not happy about it. Um, I think, you know, the, there'll be some choice words from other fans and it, it'll be a, an interesting PR for, for FSG to spin. But, uh, you know, even without Jota, they should have enough offensive firepower to last them at least a season or two until they can figure out a, a true center forward. Steve, they're talking about having five guys up front, dude. And, and yeah, Chiro yeah. Mobile got hurt and Lazio lost to the ninth place <laughs> team in the fucking Netherlands, bro. <laughs> they got five guys to trot out there. My, my thing is I, I, I didn't realize, you know, Jota, the the valuation I'm seeing in a lot of the articles I was looking as the guys are talking, 62 million pounds. I, I mean, I know transfer values are like inflated, but I, I didn't think he would like, his outfit is like that man. crazy. Yeah, I mean, a, yeah. Portuguese. I, I was surprised starter. at how high it was too. I was so surprised at how high it was. But yeah, that's a good point. Portuguese starter. He yeah. he missed out on the World Cup completely because he was hurt during yep. that span. So I, guess I think that would have raised yeah. it. I think that would have raised his stock even more because uh, he had some he had some decent minutes in the Euros, I believe. He's one of those guys that like there's really nothing flashy about him. He's like a. Um, He's like a, a a next level above Dirk Kout for me, where there's really nothing flashy about him, but the dude scores goals. Like he finds himself in the right spot time in and time out. Like his positional awareness is second to none. And he's like, surprisingly for a guy his size, an incredible header of the ball. Like he gets so many headed goals, especially from crosses from Trent and, and Robertson, that it just makes sense. Um, will he have that same value at a squad like Newcastle where, I mean, I guess they, they, they have some decent wing backs, but you're not going to get the quality of, of service that you get from, from Trent and from Robertson. Sounds like Sadio Mane to me, what you just described. Mane was fast and he had, he had some tricks in his, his bag. You know, like I said, there's really not much flashy about Jota. It's just, but he's got the moves. Doesn't always bring him out, but he's got him. <laughs> guess you kind of have to be, if you're going to be a Portuguese international. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, so- that is true. We talked a lot about the forwards. I, I think I know where you're going to go with this answer, but we're going to ask you who or what do you think the club needs in order to get back in title contention for next season? I know Jude has been linked. Uh, I saw more articles today linking him. Liverpool's confident they can get him. Do you think if Jude comes, is that enough? Yeah, upgrading the midfield, or do you think there's other areas of need too? I would love one more. Um, I don't think that just getting one is going to be enough, especially with just our history the last three years now with injuries. Uh, it wasn't as bad injury wise the last season. And I mean, that's, that's why we were so successful, but this season and the season before last were just so bad from an injury standpoint that it's like depth, depth, depth is my biggest thing. So we need some more midfielders that will be able to help facilitate the attack. Um, somebody that I've seen in the rumor mill that I would absolutely love to have, and I'm sure that it, it, they'd be able to run up the price a bit because he's English is Mason Mount from Chelsea. Uh, but he's starting to like fall out of favor and fall out of love with the club because of how many people they're bringing in. Like his role is uncertain. I think everyone's role is uncertain at Chelsea. 
where I'd love to bring him in. And I think that he'd be able to play in that advanced midfield role that we now can use because we don't have a nine facilitating. Oh yeah. False nine facilitating the offense. That would be one that I'd absolutely love besides just Jude. Um, and it sounds like Jude is going to happen from what I'm, from everything I'm seeing, but it's like, I I'm, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been a fan of Liverpool too long to just think, yeah, it's a done deal. We've got him because we've seen that stuff before. I feel much better if we were in fourth at the end of the season about our chances to get Jude. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of midfield incomings because when you look at the guys that are leaving, like we talked about Milner's 37, like, can you really resign him for another year? We know Naby is probably on his way out. He's out of contract. He's not extending. He'll be gone. Oxlade Chamberlain, he's going to be on his way out. You know, he's been hit or miss with injuries for the last four years anyways. Um, Henderson is going to be 32. Tiago is going to be 32. Fabinho is going to be 30. So, yes, we have Harvey Elliott. Yes, Bajatic was a, a nice find. I don't know that we're going to expect much from Curtis Jones. I think he's a nice piece to kind of squad rotate in and out. But if he's a guy that wants to be a nailed on starter, then he may have to move on as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, three midfielders come in for Liverpool. And, and there's guys that are, you know, decent options outside of Jude. You mentioned one with uh, Mason Mount. We've talked about uh, Matthias Nunez has been kind of linked. He was originally linked to us in the summer before transferring into to Wolverhampton. He's a guy that could be looked at. Uh, guy from coach's squad, Dortmund, uh, Mahoud Dahoud is supposedly out of contract this season. He's only 28. I think he's a good option for potentially a free because he kind of fills that Wijnaldum role that we really haven't replaced where it's a guy that's just going to hold the ball. He's going to break up the play. Um, again, not going to be a, a crunching tackler like Fabinho, and he's not going to have a lot of flair like a Harvey Elliott, but he just gets the job done. He'll hold and retain possession and, and move the ball up to the, you know, through the, the midfield third. So I think those guys are all good. And honestly, I would really love to see a new center half come in. Um, I think Matt Tip is probably going to leave. It seems like he's rumored to be on the way out. And even if he stays, um, you know, he he gets he picks up injuries, unfortunately, a, a fair amount. So trying to rely on, on Van Dyke and Kanate to carry this this back line for 60 games a season is a bit much. Um, so I'd like to see them bring in somebody either hey, from anything else, Scott. You got that's, a, it's that's four quite, the, quite the list. Four, four players. <laughs> I didn't say all those guys. I'm saying these are the names. Give me three midfielders and a center half. I'm good. Four players. Yeah, we're set, on, we're set on attackers. Yeah. So I mean, if you don't want to keep we, uh, we Arthur Mello on a permanent deal? <laughs> oh, I forgot about Mello. I keep forgetting about that, dude. I get I get the quarterly update played. for him. In. Yeah. <laughs> Why would he? Game for us? No, no. He's has been he playing with the U23s. He has been playing with the U23s. <laughs> it's so wild to me. Like, it's like everyone was so – also – my one thing about Brazilian players that we bring in, I had I had no clue his last name was Mello. Just like yeah. when we brought in Allison, I had no clue his last name was Becker. But yeah. we bring them in, it's like, oh, it's Arthur Mello. It's Allison yeah. Becker. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know he had a last name. That's cool. Yeah. cool. To be fair, <laughs> that's what I, they I wear did. on the back of their jersey. So, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I completely, I mean, I completely forget that he's with the squad, and unfortunately, lately, I've forgotten that Carvalho is with the squad, and I hate that because I was so excited to bring in Carvalho. Um, cause we were supposed to bring him in. Like, I think in the, we're, yeah, we were supposed to bring him in in the winter window Loaned and that back. fell through. Yeah. And then he came in this summer and he, he was looking good for us first half of the year and just haven't seen him at all. So I just don't know He'd what be another one where is. I like, yeah, he's I, not I really a true midfielder in, in a four, three, three. And so it's, it's like, do you, you, they are trying to slot him out in the wing, but like we said, we have, there's so many guys now that can play on the wing that are unfortunately just way more talented than he is. So can he squeeze in as a false nine? Can he learn to kind of play midfield? Because 
I mean, Harvey Elliott kind of a similar position, but he's been doing well in the midfield. But I think that's been one of the problems is when he plays out on that right side, you know, Trent had a really rough first half of the season defensively. And I think a lot of that was just the difference between having Harvey Elliott on the right side and Jordan Henderson on that right side. Um, we know Salah likes to float out wide and then cut inside. He does a decent job tracking back, but a lot of the times when Trent is, you know, doing those, those undercuts, it's Henderson that was slotting back and playing almost like a de facto right back while Trent was supplying service or, or getting involved in the attack. And I, I don't know that Harvey has really picked that up yet. Yeah, no, hundred percent. All right. So coming up now is, is champions league after this weekend, obviously you got Bournemouth first, then it's the champions league uh, first leg. Liverpool hit Real Madrid in the mouth twice real fast. I, I didn't even get home in time for the two goals. I, I We had a couple Real bets in. And I'm like, oh, shit, they, these are dead real fast. And then all of a sudden, Real yeah. just, yeah, came back and put up five. So it's it's 5-2 uh, going to the Bernabeu. It's going to be very tough. Um, odds are stacked, obviously. Is there any Champions League miracle left in Liverpool, or is this the end of the road? I mean, right now, the the two advance prop for Liverpool is plus 1,200. So that, that tells you what. You know, the books are seeing with the three-goal deficit going away. That is the first I've heard the odds because I purposely have not looked. I, like, when I was looking at Champions League odds for uh, for this week, I just looked at the first four games and I, I refused to keep scrolling my monitor. I'm not kidding. I, I like, that is the first time I've heard. So, uh, plus 1,200, great value there. I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't – I would not take that. Um, I think that we're going to – we'll at least put up a fight where I'm hoping we can – get a draw maybe we'll win by one but it's happened before i would just be really surprised because doing it, it we talk about european magic at anfield and and with liverpool as a whole i mean it's a whole different animal when you're talking about european magic and real madrid i i, I respect them even though i despise them scott yeah, tell, them, it, tell the listeners the first rule of champions league it's never over till it's over no, fuck that. <laughs> never, Let's ever, go. ever, ever bet against Carlo Ancelotti in the Champions League. Oh, that's not ever. a rule. That's, that's not a rule. Rule number one. That's not a rule. Um, <laughs> definitely not a rule. Now you maybe lose my train of thought. Oh, Real Madrid, weird season for them. They've looked really, really good at times, and then they've looked really, really bad. Um, so when Liverpool went up 2-0, I was pretty happy. I was like, oh, maybe this is the really, really bad Madrid. And then... They switched gears pretty quickly. That second half was pretty bad. And thank God that Liverpool did beat Manchester United seven to nothing. Just a reminder, because that's one of those halves that sticks with you until you have a game like that. Um, do they have a chance? I don't know. It, the midfield again, it, it Real Madrid's uh, strength has always been their midfield. Um, Benzema obviously up top is, is pretty reliable, but um, I don't see this Madrid team kind of collapsing the same way the Barcelona team did, you know, whatever, four, four years ago now. Um, it's a different, different beast. Uh, I wouldn't expect them to kind of, they also have the crowd, you know, to help them in this case. So uh, I think it's a tall order. If, if Liverpool can get two goals, I'll be happy. I don't care if they lose three to two or they win two, one, if they get two goals in this one, I can take that as a positive. If two would be nice just to continue the goal scoring confidence because we have to continue to roll in the league. And luckily we don't have to worry about FA Cup or Carabao anymore. Uh, if you said that to me last year, I would have been like, no, those are the two most important competitions we have. But uh, <laughs> that's some, uh, yeah. that's not the case this year. I will amend it. I, I, two I, goals and no injuries. That'll make me happy. Two goals, no injuries. Yes. I'm good. Yep. I'm cool with that. 
So one thing I want to say before we close the book on Liverpool here and get to our picks, uh, while we did go 0-10 last week, we very astutely had this Liverpool game pegged, even though they were not part of our locks. Uh, as we were going through the odds for this game in particular and for that Roma-Juventus game, we get we got on here and shouted it out, right? These odds are saying Liverpool wins this game. Hopefully people listen to that portion of the show and <laughs> Got a little bit of advice there, but um, I mean, certainly none of us saw seven nothing. But books know what they're doing. Do do not test Vegas. I actually have a question for you guys before we get to the picks. Um, and you may have said this on past episodes. I am a new listener. Uh, truthfully, the Saruti guest is what brought me on as a avid fan of Ryan Rosillo. So I've listened from that episode and beyond, uh, and have been a big fan ever since. But I wanted to know how you guys got into Syria because I feel like for American soccer fans it's very typical to just be gravitated towards the premier league but it's not as typical unless you have strong italian roots to be Serie A fans or you just love betting on soccer yeah no, um, so I, I wanted to ask you guys i, I think you nailed that for Stephen i that's reason number one i mean i can yeah. tell you um growing up uh you know grandparents who are really into the sport and um you used to get rai uh which is the like the italian international channel it was on like for three hours a week on a Sunday on like PBS and they would showcase one game in Italy and like Sunday morning at breakfast, that's, we were just huddled around the TV watching that. And it, I mean, um, to follow the league, I mean, it was at the payday of the league, but to watch it grow in America, it was a rough, rough, rough venture. I mean, these guys were broadcasting in like 480p up until like 2015. So um, <laughs> certainly it's been a lot easier to become a fan. You know, once I think like ESPN took over the rights and now obviously with Paramount plus, um, but hopefully, you know, people are seeing that there's, there's still a good product to be had certainly um, for what we do here and um, in, in, in trying to bet and handicap these games. Uh, we, we have a lot of fun doing it, but I, I mean, I, I'll let Steve speak for himself, but I know, um, you know, shit been watching as long as I can remember. Yeah, I mean, the, the Italian-American roots are what got me into Serie A because I started with the national team. Um, earliest tournament I really w- remember watching is 2002 World Cup. I, my family wasn't as into it as as Nick's family, so I got into it as I got older. Um, and then I gravitated toward Francesco Totti, so um, I love the city of Rome, and then he was my favorite player, and then I naturally gravitated toward Roma. Um, ended up liking De- Daniele De Rossi even more than Totti, just uh, like the style of play, the, the hard-nosed midfielder, and... Uh, I've been with the club for a while now, uh, mid-2000s, I'd say. Uh, they duped me early on into thinking they would win trophies because they won a couple of Coppa Italias and they were pressing for the Scudetto a couple of times. And uh, here I am stuck and finally got a conference league after like 15 years. So, but uh, you, don't you don't do it for, yeah, you don't discount it. You, do, you, you fall in love with the team and you stick with them. And <laughs> it's been plenty of uh, heartbreak, but that, that's just how I got into Roma and Serie A in general. And, and I don't know if any of you guys remember this, when – we were growing up, Andy, I think we're a little bit older than you, dude. Like the only way you could watch the premier league, it wasn't, it wasn't even the Barclays premier league at that point in time. It was on like traditional old school pay-per-view on like Saturday morning. And that's, uh, that's like how you had to watch the premier league. I mean, my, the way that I got in the premier league was eventually I found how to stream it over certain sites. Um, Yeah. And I just, I remember a lot of steady out too. Roja directa. The, the insanity of me, I would be waking up at the 7.30 in, in college on a Saturday morning and I would have this like 
480p but scrambled stream coming through yeah. of you know <laughs> a Liverpool match against you know Watford and it's Charlie Adam and Lucas Leva and uh Jay Spearing in the midfield and and I was getting up for that and and once we started getting into Peacock and you know NBC took it over I was like oh this is easy and like I never even questioned it because like once you make it through that period of time like you're hooked you've done all the work and now it's just it's so accessible I will say as someone who is not Italian but supportive Serie A is probably the most competitive league in all of Europe. It's really that league where, you know, there's going to be five or six teams any given season that could win the Scudetto. There's no clear one guy. I mean, it had been Juventus for, for a was, while. There was but... like two or three where they ran away with it, but other than yeah. that, they really, I mean, they obviously won and they would been the best team, but I, I'm sorry. I'm cutting off your point. I agree with what you're saying. And when you, when you watch it, like you can watch games where like you see teams who have never won like Cremonese playing against teams who are pretty good, like Roma and pull off these upsets. And it's a pretty frequent thing. Um, so I think the, the, the competition level between the squads in, in Serie A is probably the closest compared to any of the leagues where you look at the premier league and yes, you have Manchester city at the top and could they lose to like uh, uh, an Everton or um, a Burnmouth or somebody Sure, But it, the, the disparity there is so much greater than somebody yeah. like an, an Inter down to Cremonese or Lecce or something like that. Yeah, that's that's my biggest praise for Serie A too is how um, like how much parity there is compared to some of these other leagues. Like every year when you look at Bundesliga or you look at Ligue 1, like we were touching on earlier, PSG or it's Bayern, and occasionally you get a Dortmund or something. And the, I mean, this year for the Bundesliga is an anomaly where they have such an enticing and and. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun to watch title race. It, it feels like it's so rare where um, I think there's a time where it was kind of scary that city was starting to turn in that way for the premier league, but at least like Liverpool was able to give them the run. Now Arsenal's giving them a run. Um, I think that that's like, it's starting to open up a little bit more, which is nice, but yeah, that's my biggest praise. My one critique though, and you guys can call me out on it if I'm wrong. I wow. feel like a lot of play, <laughs> I feel like a lot of guys flip flop and like go to like rival squads or like in like just bounce around between the top teams in Syria more than in the Premier League or honestly any other league is that a wrong stereotype that I have no I think not right or wrong I think it strictly comes down to finances um I just think the teams are not in good enough position to hold on um to maybe some of their star players I think you know wages are an issue right there's only uh, I think two teams in the whole league that own their own stadium the tv rights are, are fucking a disaster as we've talked about um, so it's really tough for teams to hang on to their stars unless they make really, you know, they win the league, they make a deep run in the champions league, which has not happened up until this year. Um, so I think that's fair. And quite honestly, and Steve and I talk about this all the time. Um, I, I don't have a problem with it. Listen, this is a business at the end of the day, you're a player at the end of the day, you need to do what's right for you, for your career, for your family, whoever, um, I get sick when you see all these stories like, oh, my God, he better not celebrate if if he scores because he played for <laughs> us for four days. That's fucking when Dybala was excited <laughs> like, to beat Juventus yeah, this week. That right? dude, yeah. Like to me, that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> I think it's ridiculous, but I think your point is spot on, Andy. And, and I'm sorry, coach, I'll let you jump in there. I'm sure you got thoughts on it. I think it just depends on some of the players too, like Atoti, De Rossi, Del Piero, like those guys stuck around. You don't yeah, see that a lot You're going anymore. back 10 years now at this point. Well, you know, a couple of years for, for De Rossi, but you know, it, it's hard for guys to stick around because unless you're really like attached to the team in the city, like Toti was like, Toti could have gone to Real Madrid and been a Ballon d'Or winner right, when he was in his peak. Right. And he stuck around because he was loyal. He, 
now money talks. Um, you know, who knows if he would have stuck around nowadays when he could have gotten like, I don't know, 20 million euros a year or whatever he could have gotten at Real Madrid compared to Roma paying him five or something. So I, I do think they bounce around more. I think maybe you don't see as much in the Premier League because the salaries are high all around, right? And you're not really going to go from one big club to another most of the time, uh, especially if, like Scotty mentioned before, we were talking about Harry Kane. He's not going to go to Chelsea. He's not going to go to, a, you know, one of those uh, Arsenals or somebody like that for, for those reasons. But, yeah, I, I think it comes down to to money, like Nick said, and, and finances. And said, yeah, there's a lot of retreads, I feel like. Guys that maybe aren't good enough to be in the top teams in like England or maybe a Real Madrid or Barcelona. So they can be on one of the top five in Italy. So they stick around the league and, and we've seen plenty of that. All right. Well, shit, Andy, thank you so much for helping us break down what's going on with pool. Um, since you're a very special guest, we're going to keep you on for this one. We got our hat trick of picks. There's absolutely no possible way we can do any worse than we did last week. Well, that is a good a feeling. We could go in 13. No chance. No chance. <laughs> we do not bring losers on to kick some picks. One thing we have to say, every time we have a guest on, the picks are absolutely on true. fire. Uh, we know Andy has done his homework and you're our guest. So we're going to let you kick it off with your first pick of the week. Well, when Nick told me that I was going to be able to guest on this section of the show, I was absolutely flattered. It is the highest honor, gentlemen. So without further ado, I will get started. And keep in mind, I know that you guys have mentioned in episodes past, like you have a spreadsheet where you'll see each other log your picks and stuff in there. I have no clue what they have put in their spreadsheet. So I could be stealing one of their picks. But I did bring a couple backups in case uh, they steal one of mine. So my first one, uh, we're going to be going to the Premier League. And we're going to be backing uh, a squad against our arch nemesis. And that is a Brentford pick'em going at yes. Everton. <laughs> Did I steal somebody's pick? No, I, I, <laughs> love it. Um, that counts. Scotty, if you have anything else to add after I give these points, feel free to jump in. But the bees have not lost in the league since October 23rd. So good for 12 straight and draws and wins. Six draws on the road this season out of 11 games played um, is a little annoying for me where it feels like we're like we're going to be good for a push here. But Everton have lost seven at home out of 13 games played at Goodison, which is terrible. Um, Everton have lost seven of their last 10 with two wins and a draw in their most recent battle uh, of the bottom of the table against Forrest. And then even with John Deitch, I, I still have no respect for this Everton squad. Rivalry aside, I have zero respect for these guys uh they're uninspired they're boring nowhere near as creative and offensively minded as brentford where i feel like we could see if they're going to play dodgeball and just park the bus hopefully we'll get a 1-0 if they want to open it up and play then maybe we'll get a 3-1 um but brentford pick them minus 105 is my first pick yep uh, i'll go next because i had brentford draw no bet at everton i had minus 110 take the minus 105 better value I also called out Brentford <laughs> undefeated since the World Cup. You went even further back to find their loss. I saw that. I said, that's good enough for me. Uh, and yeah, I agree. I don't buy this Everton team. Um, they obviously had the big, you know, feel good win against Arsenal when Dyche first took over. It hasn't been as, as sunshine and rainbow since. Uh, I don't think they've won since that. I mean, maybe they picked up a, a game in the FA Cup. I'm not sure. But at least in the league, uh, I don't think they've won since. So the draw no bet here, I think it gives you a little bit of protection in case Dyche parks that bus and Brentford find it you know, difficult to break them down. But to me, I think this is probably one of the picks of the week just because of how well Brentford's been playing for, I don't know, three plus months now. 
Yeah, killed my Fulham draw no bet on Monday that capped the 0-10 week for us, so <laughs> I, I like it. Um, I was going. I was on Fulham plus a half there, so I feel uh, <laughs> Yeah. Do you feel? <laughs> uh, I'm going to the Bundesliga with my first pick, Borussia Dortmund. First half money line plus 115 at Schalke. Uh, Dortmund had been perfect in 2023 until losing at Stamford Bridge to Chelsea. Um, Schalke's battling relegation should be the perfect team to bounce back against. I expect Dortmund to be ready to go from the opening whistle after feeling like they were hard done by Chelsea's retake of that penalty that basically eliminated them with that second goal. Um, they're they're playing too well um, that Chelsea match aside to to not take them against a team like Schalke and first half money lines got good value here. Yeah, I'm mad at Dortmund for giving Chelsea confidence. I really liked sad sack Chelsea. That was a really fun two months of of my life. I may well, never get that back. I'll tell you what I feel. <laughs> I almost feel like not knowing anything. I might spoil one of. Andy's picks here because I'm actually going to take Chelsea for all the reasons you just said, Scotty flying high. They are even money plus 100 at Leicester on the money line. Um, You nailed it, right? This, this could be the confidence boost they needed. Um, I think they almost look competent, you know, like they're kind of starting to figure it out. Chances still aren't going in at the rate that they would like, but they're really creating a lot. Um, and and the main point here is Leicester still stink, right? And they're in what 14th, 15th, 16th place somewhere um, just above the relegation zone. And they lost four of their last five. So how does Chelsea not capitalize? I don't see it. Even money is even for a Chelsea this bad is too good of a number to pass up. In my opinion, that was not one of mine. All right, I feel better. I'm, I'm not, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to that. I was. <laughs> I All right. Andy, hit us with your next one. Um, I am going against another arch nemesis of Liverpool's, except actually I'm not going against them. I'm going, I'm backing them. Uh, I'm looking for Manchester United to bounce back here with Man U minus one and a half and even money. Um, this is a good bounce back spot for them because they got annihilated by Liverpool. Did you guys hear the score? It was seven zero. Uh, they had been in good form. Yeah. Seven. They'd been in good form before the Liverpool game um, before we absolutely humiliated and it routed them, I'll, I'll stop. But with nine wins and two draws before that game, uh, as well as they had been on a run right before they tweeted out that uh, Ten Hag was the future. So United are 9-2-1 and one at Old Trafford this season, and they also have a 24-8 goal differential at home, which is the fourth best in the league. I'm really looking at that eight number there because that is one of the lowest goals allowed um, at home this season in the Premier League, which is solid for them. Southampton have surprisingly been better on the road than at home, which was something that when doing my research, I did not realize. They have four wins and nine losses and 13 away games, so no draws. Um, and they only have three wins at home this season, which is pretty funny. Uh, however, the road wins that they have, so take it for what it's worth, Leicester in August when they are really, really bad, Bournemouth in October, Everton in January, which is the game before Fat Frank got sacked, and then Chelsea less than three weeks ago. Uh, was their other win. So take that which, take that uh, as you will for their road victories. I'm not terribly impressed by them. Maybe the Chelsea one is most impressive of the lot, but um, Chelsea was in terrible form during that time, and they will not see that same success at Old Trafford this weekend. So if I'm somehow wrong, I'm totally okay with that, uh, with losing my money, because that means that United once again had a flop game, and I will be laughing at them. But I, overall, I, like I do want to win the listeners some money. I just think it's a win-win back in United minus one and a half here. Yeah, I do love the good emotional hedge. 
always <laughs> for it. The good news yes. is that was not one of my picks. Uh, my next pick, I'm going with Brighton money line plus 100 at Leeds United. Leeds have scored just one goal in their last five league matches. So uh, hard to win games if you're not scoring goals. Uh, Brighton on their own just scored four against West Ham last weekend. I think their offense is waking up a little bit after a sleepy February. Uh, Brighton also keep an eye on them. They are seven points out of top four right now, but they have two games in hand. So they're not exactly uh, eliminated from that at all um i think they've got the right motivation this leads team are basically in relegation zone i think it might be one point clear at this point so uh i expect brighton to kind of get it done their midfield's been extraordinary uh kaisado and, and McAllister have been great Sally marsh on the wing and matoma has been really dynamic so uh you got enough there to hopefully dispatch a, a leads team that's really in, in tough form right now and, and hand up here, I like this pick as well. This was one of the ones I had earmarked as a lock, um, but Scotty took it first. So I love the for pick, serve. needless to say. All right. I'm going a lot of league with my second pick. Not a place I go very often, but I, I spotted this and I the, the number jumped out of me. Barcelona money line plus 115 at Athletic Bilbao. Whoa. Um, yeah. Barca's won eight of nine in uh, La Liga since the calendar flipped to 2023. They will be without Lewandowski, Nembele, and Pedri for this one, and trips to Bill Bauer never easy. However, the hosts are uh, two wins, four losses, and a draw in their last seven, with the only wins coming against relegation battling sides Valenti and Cadiz. Uh, and Barca won the reverse yeah. fixture for nothing. I'm going to take Barca to get the win in this one. Yeah, I guess who was on the wrong side of that fucking Bill Bauer loss to Cadiz. Yeah, so always thanks bad for that. On the wrong side of a Cadiz bet. <laughs> fucking like their first win all year. They're the Criminese of Spain. Nick, how did it taste? What's that? Cadiz nuts. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Not good at all. Um, coach, I'm going to go take another flyer on a game involving your squad. Uh, they're playing Sassuolo. I'm taking Sassuolo. Team total corners over three and a half. It is a little chalky. It's minus 135. I don't 100% love that number, but that number is that way for a reason. Uh, Sassuolo have averaged four and a half corners a game over their last five. I think that their pace could be an issue for Roma. Um, you know, they've definitely picked up their season after a really shitty first couple of months. Um, I think Loriente, who we've talked about in this podcast many times, that dude is just an absolute fucking baller. Uh, I think he's going to try and maximize getting behind Roma's defense, who are not the quickest, as we know. And Roma have been involved in a lot of games that are averaging 10 corners or 10 corners plus. Um, so in their last five and in, in some of their European games, the total is nine and a half. I think that's also a good play. Um, so if you don't like, if you don't trust us well to do it on their own, I think over nine and a half corners is pretty solid in this one. Um, but hoping for Sassuolo to just continue where they've left off. Bring us home, Andy. Uh, my third and final pick. I have stuck in the Premier League the whole time. Uh, I do have some honorable mentions that people want them, but my most confident one that I love, and it does have a little bit of chalk too, just like the corners bet, but it is Aston Villa double chance versus West Ham. They are headed to the home of the Hammers, uh, but they have played well in the Premier League since uh, Emery came in. They put together two wins before the World Cup, and then they have seven of their 12 games uh, – or excuse me, they've won seven of their 12 games under um, – under the king of good evening himself. So they do have four losses in that span, but the losses are to Liverpool, City, Arsenal, and then the one that you could make an argument about is Leicester. That's probably the only bad loss in my opinion. 
Uh, whereas on the flip side, West Ham have been absolutely terrible since the end of October, only putting together three wins, four draws, and nine losses. Um, in my opinion, guys, I don't feel like David Moyes is getting enough slack for the poor job that he's done this season. I think that if he was not English, he would be catching way more slack. But because yeah. he is such a he is such a hero in the media, they absolutely love him. They're not going to slander his name. And it's tough for them because they had such an awesome season last year and they were not able to build off it. I, I was somebody who bet on West Ham to go over 51 and a half points this season. So very disappointed by that. But I think Villa will be coming off of eight days rest because they do not have the Europa Conference League to play in, which Ooh. West Ham features in tomorrow as we record this uh, Wednesday night. So Thursday, um, they'll have like three days rest after that. And then they will host Villa. So I, I like that Villa's coming in here well-rested, full strength. West Ham's going to go full strength for the Conference League tie because it's the only competition they're left in besides the Prem. And I think that even though we're paying minus 145 for it, um, that is a great play. And if you want a little bit of value, I'm cool with the half unit or something on uh, Villa Moneyline too. Yeah, West Ham, super disappointing, uh, especially considering they kept Declan Rice and, and Suchek, who were the anchors of their midfield. So... David Moyes, football genius. I don't know. We'll yeah, see. It's <laughs> also been terrible, right? Like can't stay yeah. on the field. Hasn't yeah. really scored. Had those couple games early on in Europa League and hasn't done shit since. So yeah. my Arsenal friends thought they were going to get him in the offseason and they're like kind of like praising okay. the Lord that they did that he didn't go yeah. to Arsenal. I mean, him going to Arsenal, I don't know this for a fact, but I'd have to imagine he'd be performing a little bit better if he was at Arsenal compared that is to fair. this West Ham team. He'd have a lot more to offer, uh, a little bit more help, that's for sure. Speaking of Arsenal, my third and final pick is actually going to be Fulham plus half a goal versus Arsenal uh, at home. Fulham is at home. It's plus 135. Look, I get it. Arsenal are currently in first. They're title challengers, but they're hanging on to that lead with the finest of margins. They've escaped defeat three times, I think, in the last month or so just by the skin of their teeth. All-time goal last weekend. Yeah, Aston Villa, they barely squeaked out a win against Villa. I think they scored two goals in the last like six or seven minutes there to get the three points. They barely beat Leicester City 1-0 in a game they played terribly in. And then, yes, they had the 98th-minute winner last week against Burnmouth. So I don't think that this Arsenal team right now is really in as good of a form as you might think looking at just the results. On the flip side, Fulham have done something that I didn't think they'd be able to do, and that's they found a really good compliment for Mitrovic. Uh, Manor Solomon has been unbelievable in the last few weeks scoring some incredible goals i think he's going to be the perfect guy to kind of help pair up with Mitrovic and either create more goals for Mitrovic or get on the other end of some of these passes so i like them with getting a half a goal at home i think that might be a little bit too much for for arsenal to overcome this time that's a, definitely a higher quality opponent than some of these other teams that they've beaten in recent weeks so give me the the half a goal and plus money i think it's an, a winning combination all right, I'm going to the Premier League from with my last one. <clears throat> Team we've talked about a lot today, Liverpool. I'm taking their first half money line against Bournemouth at minus one. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so they're coming off. What was the score, guys? What, what was seven, seven? Seven? Seven zero. Thrashing of United and should be feeling really good about themselves. However, like Andy mentioned earlier, that win wasn't even their biggest win of the season. That was the reverse fixture. This one, nine nothing demolition of the cherries. Um Liverpool's going to be feeling really good about themselves and we'll want to make quick work with Bournemouth as they push for that top four spot with the second leg against Real Madrid looming. I'm looking for a quick start and an easy win for Liverpool here. I think they they handle the first half and, um, you know, you could probably get creative and do something for money line with goal team total or something if you want to play the whole match. But 
the first half money line is where the value was that I saw. Just no coach. This means I'm calling you at 7.28 a.m. on Saturday morning to wake your ass up to watch this game with me. You forget I have a one-year-old <laughs> son who needs his right, uh, his breakfast fine. around that time. Luca can so. join too. <laughs> you guys are going to be up watching this game with me. And if it's 0-0. Luca often watches uh, Premier League on Saturday mornings with me because Serie A doesn't start till later on. So we're usually up for the 7.30 match at, or All right. shortly thereafter it starts. Oh, man. It's a date. I'll be up too, boys. Might be at the pub. <laughs> might be at Atta home. Boy. Not sure because we're uh... – Charlotte FC plays at noon, so it'll be an early rising start anyways. Yeah. Great home atmosphere. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. You guys are always welcome to come for a hey, Charlotte FC game. It, you it, say it what awesome. up to my boy, Sean McIntosh, chief fan officer and co-Lazio fan. I will. All right. So I, I was going to start off with this pick because I had this whole beautiful story to, to weave for you guys, but we were talking about Chelsea and, and I, I went into that pick first, but um I'm like, I have this philosophy. You guys know we've been cold to shit, right? I was 0-3 last week. I think I strung together like three straight weeks of one and two before that. So like three and 12 or something over the last couple of episodes, you got to go somewhere where like, it's completely contradictory to what you've been saying all year. So all year I have been trashing Fiorentina. I've been trashing their coach, Vincenzo Italiano. I think he's a fraud. They have forwards who have not been scoring. So what am I going to do? I'm going to take Fiorentina and I'm going to take their team total over one and a half. This is going to completely reverse the bad juju over one and a half is minus minus one ten. They're playing Cremonese, a team that has all of one win this season. Who did against they beat? Two, Nick. Who, who was it? That was against Roma. Oh, scored two goals in that game. Good for them. Um, but I, I gotta be honest. I mean, I was looking more into it. This, this line stood out to me and, and Fiorentina quietly have won four of their last five. Uh, they're cruising in- on Milan last week, right? I mean, yeah, they ruined sure, my bet. Hasn't been giving up goals. Milan bet RIP are cruising in the conference league and Cremonese, who again, despite winning a game, they've given up two plus in four of their last five. The, the one game they didn't was against Roma, but they very clearly given up a goal just about every game this season, right? They have one win. Um, so there's no doubt in my mind, Fiorentina get on the board. I think that Cabral is finally starting to find a little bit of form. That's a guy I've been very hard on. Uh, Jovic has been fucking terrible as we know. Uh, but I think, um, these guys are going to come out in this game with something to prove and I hate it so much. It's going to be a winner. Let's hope so. Speaking of winners, the pod lock of the week is in desperate need of a winner. Cause I think we're uh, on a four game losing streak. So to turn this around, not only do we have a winner, we have a plus money winner at plus plus one We're taking under two and a half goals, Milan versus Salernitana. Milan's defense has been on a roll. I talked about it at the beginning of this podcast. Yes, they did just allow two goals to Fiorentina, but this is a completely different match. Salernitana is not going to be a, a threat to them, especially on the road. Unless you think Milan are going to score three here. We know that they like to create lots of chances. Their shooting has been pretty mediocre to below average. I think it's a, as good of a lock as you'll find. So if you're if you're really nervous about Milan or uh, Milan scoring three goals, I think the over two and a half team total is something like plus 210. Um, it's up there. So if you if you want to fade us, that's the pick to take because I, I don't see Salernitana getting on the score sheet here. Yeah, we got to get back on track here. Still thirteen and six on the year with the pod lock, but I think a four game losing streak not helping. It hurts. It hurts. Now we go, boys. Now we go. <laughs> that's Come it. Come on. That's it. Andy's here to to reverse the trend. So, Andy, dude, just want to thank you again for coming on, bro. We had an absolute blast. Open invite again. If you guys aren't following him already, Happy Hour Sports. It's uh, Andy. I'm sorry. Give out your Twitter handle, uh, but I know they could find you at, at Happy Hour Sports. 
Yes, for sure. So um, our website is happyhoursports.net. You can follow me on Twitter at AndyHHSports. Uh, I'm a lot more active on there than our traditional Twitter handle, which is just at HHSportsHQ. But feel free to give both a follow. Um, we're growing quick, and we love any feedback that you guys can give us, and we're looking to do more stuff like this, collaborating with um, guys like you who love sports betting, who love niche sports like soccer. So can't thank you all enough, man. I'm a huge fan of the pod, even though I feel like I'm late to the game because I came on because of because of a celebrity guest. So um, I'm hoping that I can bring some good luck just like uh, our guy Steve Cerruti did. Shit, man. You missed all the winners. So now, now that you're back around, we got to start again. Here we go. Awesome, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, just be sure to do us a favor. Give us a share, a retweet, a follow. Thank you for listening. And uh, what do you think? 13-0? 